turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, man, alive, you talk about having an idea and an issue set that you've been talking about and, and working on, and suddenly it's all over the news. That's how I feel this week and last week with the uh, question of due process. Due process. We'll talk about that in a moment. Welcome to the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. You go there, you can sign up for my Substack. I have to reveal something to you. I've been testing the waters with that Substack for about six weeks. And I will, after the first of the year, I have a system where I'm going to be able to post longer length uh, thoughts and writings there on Substack, and it will pick up uh, a lot. So go there and sign up, ProAmericaReport.com. You won't be disappointed. Also, visit PhyllisSchlafly.com and sign up there for our daily email. It goes out from our Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, uh, 8 a.m. in the morning, uh, each morning, Monday through Friday. It's called The Wink, What You Need to Know. And we put a couple things you need to know, a couple things that um, you may not have seen some links and other stuff all there uh, in an email free. We don't sell your email address. We don't uh, trade it. We don't use it any other way than to communicate with you what you need to know. And that's also the name of this segment. Each time we open up the program, the radio program, and, and, and we turn into a podcast, our opening segment is The Wink, What You Need to Know. Sometimes you'll hear me, uh, sometimes uh, Ryan Height, our communications director at the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles and the producer of the Pro-America Report radio and podcast, or even Mason Mohan, one of our colleagues, will be doing The Wink. Where they fill in, they're great, and a uh, big help. So uh, you're going to want to check that out. All right, today's Wink, What You Need to Know. What you need to know is... If you're looking at the Colorado Supreme Court, state Supreme Court case that has uh, supposedly taken Donald Trump off of the primary ballot in Colorado, not the general election, but the primary, you would notice in the dissent some phraseology by one of the judges. Uh, I don't I don't know if there was multiple dissents, but the one I was reading was a judge who'd been on the bench for over 30 years. I think he might have maybe he was on the bench for more than 20, but he's in practicing law uh, and talks about uh, over three decades in practice. And anyway, seems to be an experienced guy. And he writes and he's a Democrat, Democrat leaning. I guess it's nonpartisan. Once you're on the bench, you don't identify yourself as such. Um, you don't run formally in Colorado. You're nominated by the governor, retained by the people for 10 years terms. Um, so anyway, um, this guy wrote that he's never seen such an abysmal uh, description of conduct that takes away due process, that does not grant due process. What does that mean? What it basically means is in America, in our crown jewel, the Constitution, the rule of law, 
if you take something from someone, their money, their liberty, their ballot access, if you take something, then they have due process. They have they have the right to demand that it not be done in a way that is uh, secretive and uh, and unknown and hidden. And the reason is because more light, more transparency, a system that forces accountability to, to what you're doing is going to make it more likely. It's not going to make it 100 percent, but it's going to make it more likely that you get a fair outcome and you at least Get a system that you're bought into. So if you're if you're if you're you know if you're um, you own a piece of property and the state comes along and says we want to put a, a highway through there, they have to give you due process before they can take the highway. There's another constitutional uh, debatable whether they should and could, but if they want to do that, that's your property. They have to give you due process. They have to say, this is what we're doing. This is the reason we're doing it. This is the law we're citing. This is how you'll be compensated. This is all these checks on the system. And due process is the phrase that has been popularized over the decades of centuries to talk about this system. One of the aspects of due process is a fair tribunal. That's the phrase used by a judge, the late judge Henry Friendly, who was a court of appeals judge in the federal court of appeals, wrote a famous essay on uh, on due process that's often cited. And I don't know that he was that conservative or liberal. I don't even know. But he lists these factors. The first one is a fair tribunal, meaning you have to have an impartial judge. You have to have a tribunal that is not stacked against you. You have to. This is why you can sometimes get a change of venue if you're particularly well known and not liked or uh, or even uh, I suppose if you're well known and you're too popular and the, the news of what's going to be exposed in a trial is going to be negative and people are going to have a shocking, you can get a change of venue. There's, there, you, you can ask for protections on the impartiality of the tribunal, of the, of the, uh, of the, the system um, managers, the judges, the jury in the case of a criminal trial with a jury. So that's what this judge in Colorado has, um, has said is so, so obvious and so stunning that you're taking something away. Donald Trump has not been convicted of insurrection anywhere. And that's what the 14th Amendment talks about, insurrection. Someone who's been uh, uh, is, 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 uh, is an insurrectionist can't serve. Well, you, do you just get to say, do, do I, can I say that Joe Biden leaving the border open is, is an act of insurrection? Therefore, he's an insurrectionist. Therefore, I could take him off the ballot in Montana, which is a red state that doesn't want him on the ballot. It can't be that way. It can't be that way. There's got to be some standard also because due process demands that you know what the charges are, that you know how things are going against you. So this is a a big deal. And I think it's helpful that he's not perceived as a uh, conservative or a um, a Democrat or, or Republican, this judge. I think it'll get some attention, which brings me to my next point. I have to say it's amazing to me to watch what I now have taken to calling the tyranny of the experts, the tyranny of the experts. You would think after covid, we would have given up on experts as the people who can tell us exactly how things have to be, that this is the way you must accept the facts or the law. In this case, I'm talking about a guy named Mike Ludig. Mike Ludig was a longtime judge. He clerked for Justice Scalia on the Supreme Court. He was a longtime judge on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. He was talked about as a U.S. Supreme Court judge, by all accounts, considered very smart, very capable. I'm not here to, be, to, to, to diminish that at all. And uh, but he, he got passed over. 
And when he got passed over and wasn't going to get the big job, the Supreme Court, he went out into the private sector, I think to somebody like Boeing. I'm pretty sure it was Boeing. And when you're a, a, a former fourth, uh, when you're a former court of appeals judge like that and you're in your, uh, in your, you know, relative, uh, uh, youth, I think he was in his late fifties, you go off the bench. And yeah. He became general counsel for Boeing. That's a big job. That's a really big job. I mean, that's a job. The general counsel Boeing is kind of it's not that it's a, a, a titular head, but you, you've got a staff of, of dozens and dozens of capable lawyers. One one set of lawyers is doing litigation. One's doing compliance. You're kind of the captain of the ship like you are when you're a judge. And so he made a boatload of money, a boatload. If you're the general counsel of Boeing for a decade or so or however long he was, you're, so he's got tons of money. So now he's got tons of money. He lives in northern Virginia where Boeing has allowed him to live, his headquarters, where he was a judge. And he's basically become the expert that the people want to cite when they want to hear him go against Trump because he was passed over. In my opinion, Luddick was passed over and has never gotten over it. And so Luddick is the guy they bring out and they say, with great fanfare, here's the expert. And he says, oh, yeah, the Colorado Supreme Court uh, ruling is completely unassailable. It, it's, it's perfect. And he goes on and on and on. Now, why should we trust him? At this point, why should we trust him? I mean, Jonathan Turley, who I think is probably um, as smart, maybe smarter. He wasn't a judge for years. He's been a professor. That's uh, Turley's over at, um, is it George Washington uh, uh, Law School? And so um, the reality is, and and but Ludwig is, is run out as an expert. And they cite Lawrence Tribe from Harvard. And that guy has used to be, you know, before you could really look at these people closely and see what motivated them. He was often cited as one of the great constitutional scholars. He's got full on TDS. But here's my point. I don't think, you know, my distrust and verify, which I uh, uh, ascribe to um, the government. You know, the, the old Reagan um, uh, phrase that he used was trust, uh, trust, then verify, trust, trust, but verify. And mine is distrust, then verify that you, the starting point is you can't trust them, can't trust government. I, and mine, mine is designed to talk, to talk just to government. So distrust, then verify. But I have to say, you have to apply it to experts now, too. When it comes to experts, you have to say, what's the axe that's being grinded? What's the what's the way that this person is saying something or the positioning that is beneficial to the regime, the government, to some interest? So distrust right off the bat, then verify. And so with with Ludwig, all you have to do is look a little bit. And it, it's completely nonsensical to try to defend. It's one thing to defend the Colorado opinion, say something like they have the right to uh, look at, to, to make this assertion because it's not been completely litigated before. And even if they're wrong, that's what they'll find out in this process. That's different than saying it's unassailable, that it's unassailable. And and then breathlessly being interviewed on, uh, uh, in this case, Politico uh, for a lengthy interview that explains how bright you are. The tyranny of the experts. And the only way to beat that, just like the tyranny of our government, is distrust, then verify. Distrust and verify. Flip on the head when somebody says, oh, Michael Luddick, former judge, general counsel of Boeing, uh, credentials or the clerk for Scalia. You could try. This is a guy you can you list those credentials as an expert. And you say, oh, trust him. Distrust, then verify. Flip it on its head, especially when it comes to things related to Trump, uh, uh, amazingly. So, all right, we've got to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, sign up for the Substack there, and also PhyllisSchlafly.com to get our daily emails and the daily wink. Be right back. Ed Martin, ProAmerica Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our friend Scott Phelps joins us on uh, many things we can talk about uh, with Scott and uh, his website. Let me get it right. AMPartnership.org. AMPartnership.org. First of all, welcome back, Scott. How are you? Great, Ed. Thanks so much for having me. Love your show. Well, thank you. You're nice to say, and thanks for making time to come on uh, so frequently. So uh, you one of your team, uh, Noah, sent over this piece that ran on Yahoo News. I think it actually was in the newspaper in Ohio. How is sex ed taught in your district? Search the data. And then they talk, they're talking about Ohio. Um, and I guess my question, Scott, is, is that searchable for people? Can they, can they find it um, easily everywhere? Or is it complicated? Or is it somehow, how do you go about that? It's very complicated. And here's the reason why it's complicated. Uh, besides the, the details, if there isn't a school in America, Ed, that will say, we don't teach abstinence. That's not the issue. The issue is, what do you mean? See what right. I mean? They play games, right? Yep, yep, so yep. Everyone, everyone will say it, but what is? I mean, Planned Parenthood will say they teach abstinence, but what do they right. mean? Right. And what they mean is, you know, don't have sexual intercourse, but here's all the other things that you can do, and it's really a harmful message. And so, you know, for a school to say we teach abstinence doesn't really tell you anything. What we're looking for is, do they teach abstinence until marriage, and do mm-hmm. they? Re- Act harmful sex education messaging. That's what we're actually looking for. But parents can absolutely talk to their school. And again, it's not enough to simply say, hey, principal, health teacher, do you guys teach absence? They will always say yes. It's let me see the material that you're teaching my kid. Yeah. The problem with this is, if I can say, um, is so many people like I thought I thought that the pandemic was going to be like this breakthrough because people were people looked closely at what their kids were doing in school, especially public schools, but even private schools. And they said, what is this? I want to I want something better. And they started to be energized and then they just got busy and everybody's busy. A lot of people. I, we have a friend of our family, my wife and I, and they, the good people, they're solid citizens. And they, they move their kids to a private uh, school, religious school for about a year, maybe two. Then they went back to the public school. And when you ask them they as you just said they will they're not unconcerned they're not unkind they're not uncharitable they don't they don't hate their children but they ask a question in parent teacher meetings you know like oh do you teach abstinence and they say yes and they and then they move on because you don't know the sophistication of of the question which brings me to this point question Scott Phelps is our guest again, and I'll put up a, a link up on the website for uh, his work over at uh, a, it's ampartnership.org, um, and you can learn all about the, the resources and lots of resources there. But the, but the question I have here is that um, it's the Abstinence and Marriage Education Partnership. I should keep I keep doing the abbreviation. The thing, looking at my notes, thinking I need to make sure to say um, are there are there elected officials and public leaders that are are helping to uh, change the dynamic. In other words, you know, uh, could could your state school board member um, demand that something else be taught? And will they do that? Yeah, absolutely. They can and should, you know, and, and we really want to educate and equip and help. Exactly. That's our point, because as I've mentioned before, the problem is never the kids. It's always the administrators. We've got to get the administrators to understand what's going on, even in the classroom. Administrators and teachers need to understand uh, teachers and school board members. So our whole work really is 
isn't to get to the kids. It's to get to the administrators, the teachers, the parents, and help them understand the proper messaging we need to be providing for our kids. And then we equip them to do just that, because it's really important that our kids have a clear, undiluted, truthful message on the benefits of reserving all sexual activity for marriage. It's a message that they just don't get in the vast majority of schools in America. And that's our our whole program is about solution, providing if you want a solution for what ails us, if you want to strengthen the institution of marriage in our culture today, it begins in the classroom. And that's what we're after is helping those teachers teach our kids well, helping parents understand what's being taught so that they can be a be a voice for what's right and true for their kids. You know, a few years ago, we're talking, we're talking with Scott Phelps and about his work uh, at the Absence and Marriage Education Partnership, uh, talking about absence education and and the resource available if you go to ampartnership.org. Um, Scott, a few years ago, maybe 10 now, um, our mutual friend Kathleen Sullivan uh, introduced me to this topic and gave me a bunch of the books, um, gave me a bunch of the uh, curriculum. And yeah. a lot of it is so good. Uh, I mean, I'm, all of it's good, you know what I mean? But uh, some of it is, and some of it, I, I, still around my house and in our family, um, people can use it to do their own teaching, right? I mean, that, you know, oh, you, 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 we want our schools to, to do it. We want our schools to be better. But, the, you know, this may be the way that you're sort of managing whatever the chaos is, wherever your kids are, whether it's at school or on social media and uh, and either supplement that or replace it. Well, what I tell parents is you can't hope that your kids know this stuff. You've got to know that they know it and you've got to know that they know it because you taught it to them. Hmm. And so regardless of what they're getting in school, if they're getting our program in school, great, still reinforce it at home. But especially if they're not getting our program in school, you need to do it at home. Now, our curriculum, they can get at successsequence.com. That's another website, or they can get to us through the primary, but successsequence.com, they can order the materials, uh, all the curriculum curriculum and we have online learning programs for the kids this is great for homeschoolers because we have a video teaching that goes along chapter by chapter we walk the kids through the program but we're passionate that kids have the opportunity to learn these things so we want to equip parents as you say to do just that either teach it at home or reinforce it at home but we've got to make sure that our kids aren't being indoctrinated into harmful sex education by their schools uh, Scott Phelps, again, our guest, and uh, and uh, the the uh, ampartnership.org. Uh, the uh, you can go there and see a lot of this curriculum. Are you kind of turning the uh, calendar year twenty three to twenty four. Um, Scott, are you optimistic uh, about the state of uh, of abstinence and marriage education? Are you um, you know kind of uh, challenged? You see, it's it's uh, you know sliding. I, I I remember just last week was it? Um, uh, oh, the Republicans were up on Capitol Hill. This was a, I, maybe I should ask you about this. Republican consultants were up saying what we need is a mandatory or not mandatory. We need you know, maybe mandatory uh, covered contraceptives that so we're going to cover the cost of contraceptives. Republicans should pay for that uh, under whatever Title nine. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is just another way for Planned Parenthood to get more money of our tax dollars. Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Are you what's your sense of the state of the country on on your on your um, work. 
Well, if I wasn't eternally optimistic, I <laughs> yeah, done with this a long, long time ago. <laughs> Never get out of bed. Yeah, exactly. I know. I've had my foot on the gas pedal for the last twenty years, and I'm not letting up. Ed, we've got to get this message out. So, no, I'm seriously optimistic that we can do this, and we must do this. It's not an option, really. Uh, we, we've got to get this message to a new generation of American youth, and contraception is exactly the wrong message. Uh, maybe shoot me an email offline what you know about that, because yeah. I want to pursue that. It's an absolutely wrong message. This is a subject for another show, Ed, because the contraceptive message is what's killing our kids, killing our country. It's not good. It isn't. It isn't. Um, all right. Well, any any uh, deep thoughts for the new year? That's uh, that's my last thing. Is I've been asking guests, what do you what do you think twenty twenty four? Any ways people should be thinking either about your issues or about more broadly, you're someone I consider uh, has great wisdom. So, uh, what do you what do you what do you see for twenty twenty four? Well, I guess I would say be excited to be alive at a time like this. Because mm-hmm. our actions are, are consequential and monumental. And I think that there is an opportunity in front of us, uh, as it says in the book of Esther, for such a time as this, for good people to step up and be a tremendous help, especially to a new generation of American youth. They need us now more than ever. And the opportunity uh, ahead of us is huge. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you, Scott Phelps. Best of luck in the new year uh, and to you and uh, uh, for the Christmas and all the holidays. We very much appreciate your voice out uh, with us. And I will make sure to put up on uh, social media links to uh, the, both the curriculum that Scott mentioned as well as uh, the website there. And again, there's a lot of resources there. I've, I've more than once I've sent uh, different families to to the site to find things and they they come away edified and uh, well served. So thanks again, Scott. Excellent. Thanks. Take care. All right. Uh, Scott Phelps, everybody. Again, um, his work is over at the American, excuse me, the Abstinence uh, AM, Abstinence and Marriage Education Partnership, ampartnership.org on the website there. And I give a shout out to our old friend Noah. I mentioned Noah Dingley. He's a longtime producer of the program, uh, my show, uh, when he was a radio professional. Now he's working as a communications uh, guy and uh, really good at it over with the Abstinence and Marriage Education Partnership. So he's been uh, uh, great. And it's it's funny because I've known Noah for years and known Scott Phelps for years in different worlds. And those worlds have collided. I don't know. I'm not going to go all the way to say Reese's peanut butter cups, but it's something. It's something good that happens. So there you have it. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. Uh, and I'll put those links up on social media. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our friend Gregory Wrightstone, we had him on a few weeks ago. I think we talked uh, just before his newest book was out, and now the book is out. Um, it is entitled A Very Convenient Warming, How Modest Warming and More CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity. Gregory Wrightstone, of course, is a geologist by training and is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. That's the best place to go find lots of what's going on there. Uh, Welcome back, Gregory. How are you? 
Uh, really good. Good to be back with you, Ed. There's a lot going on as usual. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the sure. So first of all, on the book, the book's out now. Um, you you had the experience with the last book. We've talked about it, where you, you put it out because you had something you want to say. It took a while, but it became very, very useful. Became very well uh, used and received. How's this one going? You're now a bit of an established figure on this. Are you feeling like your um your people are paying attention now? Are you expecting to sort of build up to it? What, what's your, what's the sense of the book again? Is a very convenient warming uh, just out in the last uh, a few well, a week or two uh, more than that but uh, in the last yeah. month or two go ahead we, we, we put it out we just published actually last week and oh good uh it's only right now it's available only at very convenient or excuse me convenientwarming.com convenientwarming.com uh sales have been good uh it'll be going up on amazon i believe january 2nd after the first year publication date will be 2014 actually oh, okay. but you can buy the books right now at convenientwarming.com. Uh, I've been getting just the people that have gotten it and read it are just raving about it. Yeah, well, I've got I, I've got a copy and read it. So the same thing. Uh, before I get back to the book, Gregor, I wanted to ask you the the, the uh, one of the things you did the last time this uh, you started rolling out your other book was take some of the things that people say and take them to pieces, like extreme weather. Everyone says, "Oh, the weather is so much extreme." You went, "Wait a second, let me look at this as a scientist." Put together slide decks. I remember looking at what happened when Iceland uh, volcano blew up. The, it, it got some attention on the conservative side saying, see, you can't predict anything about the future. What, uh, what, what, what did that really mean? Anything? Well, no, there, it's, I mean, Iceland sits across the, the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. It's a surface expression at the surface uh, of the spreading center that um, volcanism is going on in Iceland. That's what created Iceland. Uh, the really big ones, this one that's going off right now, uh, it's really a big fissure. And the lava, the danger there is the lava is just kind of spewing out. It's flowing and it might cover people up. The real dangers for Icelandic volcanoes are the explosive ones. Uh, and in particular, Hecla uh, is is one that's been very dangerous. It's erupted some 300 times over the last, I think, 400 years. Usually uh, not catastrophic, but throughout Iceland's history, the volcano Hecla twice have been just horrific results. The first was in uh, 426 BC during what was called the uh, in the beginning of the dark of the Greek Dark Ages, and it led to worldwide cooling, uh, agricultural fam failures and famine. Again, in uh, the 1400s, it erupted hugely again. Again, it was it contributed to four to five years of cooling, hmm. uh, blocking the sun. The, the combination of the sun being blocked and cooling led again to crop failure. Uh, more than half the population after that volcano and a subsequent volcano just after that uh, half the population perished of Iceland. In fact, the uh, uh, the Dutch government at the time controlled Iceland. They actually considered abandoning the entire island nation. Hmm. Hmm. Didn't do it. So these the really big volcanoes have yeah. a cooling effect on on the earth. Well, and 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 that's one of the things Gregory Wrightstone is our guest, a geologist, and of course a, a well known author now, but but also his sort of day job as executive director over at the CO two coalition, CO two coalition dot org. A lot there, but that's one of my things about the hoax. When I tell people it's a hoax, I don't even have to get into whether it's a hoax about uh, carbon or anything else. It's just a hoax that they have models that they can predict 
how we can behave when you're one volcano away from having five years of cooling in the whole earth. Right. I mean, it's 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 a it's an, an insane to do um, the, the modest warming that you talk about in your book. And I will remind people you can get the book at convenient warming dot com, convenient warming dot com. Um, you, you what's if it stayed the same, a very convenient warming, how moderate modest warming and more CO2 are benefiting. If it stays where we are, how, tell us in a thumbnail how it benefits us. Oh, my Lord. Uh, there, there are so <laughs> many easy. benefits. There are so many benefits, but primarily uh, we can look at agricultural production uh, and see that modest warming, it's warmed about a degree Celsius since uh, 1900, combined with more CO2 are leading to just tremendous uh, increases in agricultural productivity. In the book, I capture the eight top uh, agricultural products in the in the in the world, right. and all eight of these are breaking records year after year after year, and that's because the warming is leading to longer growing seasons. The more CO2 is firing up carbon dioxide and uh, fuel photosynthesis, and then that's backed up by increased nitrogen fertilizer that's made from natural gas, from fossil fuels. So those three things uh, are, are all beneficial to agricultural productivity. And so we're being told that Oh, no, CO2-driven warming is unusual and unprecedented, and it will lead to crop failure. But the facts belie that. The facts tell us it's just the opposite. And in fact, looking through human history, which you read in the book, uh, we see that all the past warming periods were hugely benefit. They're warmer than today and were just tremendously beneficial for crop production and humanity. Uh, we're talking again with uh, Gregory Wrightstone. His book is out just in the last week or two, available uh, wherever you – in a few weeks available wherever you get books. But right now, convenientwarming.com, you can go there and get a copy. Um, so what's – how also – I always ask ask this of you. How's the state of the opposition to reasonableness? It seemed like old Greta had a, a – her shining star faded a bit, um, maybe – Maybe because she decided to side with the uh, Hamas terrorists, but that's a different uh, conversation. But in general, uh, our, our, I think I know the answer when I say, well, our government's more, being more reasonable. You and I just talked offline about how the EU and and others are not reasonable at all. So is it is it trending uh, the, the, the reasonable way or are we still in an, in an era where the, the hysteria and hoax are, are, are carrying far too much policy weight? Oh, and I'm 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 a huge optimist. I see uh, so much. I, I I tell our people we are winning. Uh, I see it every day. Uh, more and more people coming around to just questioning this. When we call, talk about a climate hoax, which I usually don't use that word, but it, it's not that the climate's not changing. Of course it is. It's that uh, it is leading to catastrophe and climate uh, crises, and that's that that's the hoax. The hoax is is that. Uh, Hurricanes, tornadoes, extreme weather, sea level rise, all being fueled by unprecedented warming. And that's that's just factually incorrect. And so I see that um, just about every week, every day, more and more evidence of, of people questioning this. Uh, so I'm, I'm very much the optimist. Uh, I think it's we're going to see the death of this uh, climate alarmism within the next few years, if not sooner. 
Again, we're talking with Gregory Wright, some executive director over the CO2 coalition and the author of a very convenient warming. Um, how about the um, uh, the the subsidized industries, electric vehicles, um, some of the greens, energy, solar stuff that uh, only distorts the market doesn't doesn't make it work better, in my opinion. I think you agree. What, what about those things? What about the uh, the the stomach for subsidies and things like that? Oh, we're seeing the the not so slow death of this of the electric vehicle market. Uh, we're seeing uh, GM and Chevy, many yeah, companies. I did see that. Yeah, cutting, GM cutting the names. They're laying off people. They're not doing more EVs. They're doing fewer. Uh, they're shutting down factories. Uh, the projections for EVs have plummeted. Uh, people just don't want them, uh, particularly in the in the really cold areas it just doesn't work very well uh the range can be de- reduced by more than 40 percent in very mm-hmm. cold weather uh and and it's just uh for example my uh in our office a gentleman has a has a hybrid well he, he he's got a bug in his car he has to he has to plug it in every three it's got to be run or plugged in every three days right. um, or because of the battery's about shot mm-hmm. well that, that's not People don't want that. What if he goes away for a week and now right. he comes back to a dead battery? Um, it, it's not it's these are not good. They're not efficient. They're not suitable for long distance transport. Uh, it's only really suitable for city dwellers that go back and forth between home and an office. Right, uh, right, right, right. Well, I just think of that. Now that you said that, the guy that brings an electric vehicle into Gregory Wrightstone's uh, office, that's that. We, that guy should get a profile in Courage or something. Anyway, uh, all right, Gregory Wrightstone, we got to run. A, a very convenient warming. Thank you. We'll put up on social media links to uh, get to that uh, website to buy that book, which is convenientwarming.com. It'll be available everywhere soon. Thank you, Gregory. Thanks, Ed. We'll talk to you again. All right. Talk to you soon. We'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. Uh, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. For years, even for decades, the prevailing wisdom in education was that high self-esteem would lead to high achievement. That theory led to encouraging kids to make daily affirmations of their own importance, praising them for acts of no particular consequence, and giving them awards and certificates. The schools even had lessons to promote self-esteem. But funny thing, that did not produce any academic gains. Now an increasing number of educators are realizing that all that self-esteem stuff was a dumb idea. A growing body of research now shows that unearned praise does not help students. Instead, it interferes with significant learning opportunities, and it reduces students' ambition to learn and try harder. Teachers are now starting to give students new buzzwords, such as persistence, that encourage the kids to put forth sweat and effort rather than comforting themselves with warm, fuzzy feelings. Some schools have abandoned putting students in a category labeled gifted. One teacher said, We've become so obsessed with making kids feel good about themselves that we've lost sight of building the skills they need to actually be good at anything. 
They need to be taught to learn from failure. A Stanford University psychology professor says that giving students empty praise, such as saying, you're so clever, just backfires. Children who are told they are smart are more likely to avoid hard assignments that might tarnish their reputation for being smart. Children who are instead praised for trying hard tend to enjoy challenges and achieve more success and perform better in the long run. Funny thing, I didn't read any articles that related the self-esteem fad to grade inflation. Part of the problem may be giving A's and B's to every kid instead of giving them the grade they really deserve. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For 50 years, Mrs. Schlafly promoted grassroots efforts to rally conservatives. Today, you can harness the power of social media by going to phyllisschlafly.com and sharing these commentaries with friends across the country. Get started at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. You know, um, this is a very important development that I'm going to uh, describe for you. And, and I, I, I'm I'm very, very intrigued to see where it goes. And that is this. Uh, the Wall Street Journal is reporting with some in-depth uh, analyses, both of, I think, some polling data, but also looking just at the data that you can see from examining usage um, that... TikTok has become uh, on the question of the uh, conflict in the terrorist acts against Israel, the uh, Hamas terrorism, and then the um, the response of Israel to the terrorist attacks. All of that has become on TikTok a place where um, uh, uh, the um, the popular opinion especially young among young people has been more sharply divided if not in favor uh, of the hamas or slash gaza position I'm, I'm not sure anybody's too uh comfortable saying they're for the hamas position but certainly gaza and what's happened is israel has said hey tiktok what the heck are you doing Hey, TikTok, are you influencing what people see in such a way as to persuade them which of course they are and so this has brought israel Point blank, and this is what the New York uh, Wall Street Journal article says, brought, brought Israel into the fight over social media and TikTok. Because I've told you before, as, as we're winding up 2023, my opinion on social media is that it should not, it should be licensed, like it licensed to drive a car. And that if you're under, say, 16, you should not be able to use uh, social media at all. You shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be, oh, your parents really like you. They'll let you drive their car if you're 11. I mean, I guess if you're on a farm, you can drive the farm, uh, implements, including a truck, but you, you're not allowed to say, oh, you know, I, I, my child is 12 and I really like him. He's responsible. I'm going to let him drive my, uh, you know, my, uh, Ford, uh, um, uh, minivan. Does Ford have a minivan? My minivan over to the store. And you can't do that. So there's a licensing. We have to, uh, to keep us all safe, to keep our, our, ourselves safe as a, as a community, as a state, as a nation. I think you should do it on social media should say, you know what? We cannot have young people use social media. It destroys them. It destroys them or at least it distorts them. It makes them uh, it, it, it puts them in the wrong or puts the control, the ability to distort things into the hands of someone that we can't understand or know. It's too it's too dangerous. That's my opinion. And a lot of people disagree, including my own children. But here's the thing on TikTok. There should be no doubt it's owned 
and controlled by the communist Chinese. Now they'll say, oh, no, no, it's a, it's a company called, does it bite dance or something? But it's a whole, wholly owned subsidiary. You don't have a Chinese business without uh, the communist Chinese controlling it. And they do. And then the company that controls TikTok and the people at TikTok will tell you, they described it, that there is a, spe- a special button. It's called the heat button. And when they want to popularize something, they hit the heat button. So now think about this. Oh, you say, well, if you have a if you have a, um, uh, a, a an advertiser, can they put the heat button so that you see more of that advertiser? Well, that sounds like a business, right? That sounds like some business motivation. But it's a communist Chinese. They don't care about business. What they care about is control and destruction and all. And so TikTok becomes a bastion of what? Of really terrible life uh, lessons, really terrible gender dysphoria, all that stuff that's happening out of TikTok. You say, well, young people like it. I, maybe they do or maybe they don't. But someone else, the communist Chinese, is controlling the messaging. And again, what I've said over and over is you don't have to go far. You, you It used to be Facebook, I would say, Meta. You'd look at Facebook. They would admit that they were studying and they had on their staffs People who are uh, uh, brain scientists, brain experts, nu- nutrition experts, that uh, how nutrition impacts the brain, not because of food, but because you're basically using social media as a kind of stimulant and a kind of food, a kind of brain food. And so Meta used to, I don't know if they still do, they used to identify it. They had all these people and they were studying and they were really, literally, I'm not, I'm not saying figuratively, literally They were seeking to rewire your brain so that your brain gets changed and you will respond to the stimulation that they put in front of you. TikTok's not naive just because they got a funny name doesn't mean that they're not uh, sophisticated. They're doing the same stuff knee deep into how to change your brain, even knee deep into what works to rewire your brain. And now Israel's saying, hey, whoa, TikTok, you guys are against us. You're against uh, uh, freedom. You're for the terrorists. And they're mad. So good. Another ally. We just need more allies in Congress and other places to ban TikTok. Completely ban it. Because we're losing way too much control, influence, not even control. I'm not saying the government should control it. I'm saying that the parents and families and others should control it. And we don't even know what TikTok's doing with the heat button. We don't even know. So it's I'm glad we have a new ally in that fight because it needs to become a it's not about privacy. It's not about privacy. It's not about somebody selling your privacy. That's long gone. That's happening anyway. This is about taking impressionable people. And we've always said that, yeah, there's impressionable people that are 55 or 65 or 25 or whatever. But as to underage, you know. 18 and under, we say we have a certain obligation to look out for them because they're developing and they're not quite there in terms of wisdom. Now, you know, so they say the brain, I don't know how true it is. The the science says the brain is uh, not fully uh, functional until 25 years old. That's the kind of age they talk about. Well, I'm not saying you can ban TikTok for anyone under 25, but certainly, I mean, excuse me, I'm not saying you ban social media for anyone under 25, but you can certainly ban TikTok from America tomorrow. It's a national security question, by the way. Israel would tell you that about what's happening to them. And America should Americans should be policymakers should be saying the same thing about our country. 
All right. That's a, some thoughts on social media as we head towards uh, the uh, new year. And uh, we'll take uh, we'll wrap things up. Uh, don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for my Substack, stack. Uh, for the daily email. Thank you, as always. Ryan Hyde, our producer, Mason Mohan, our associate producer. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then.